1: We're here. I wish I wish I could What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five star review on iTunes a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate DAP for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast.
2: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to BlueWire, the network. Shout out to our new sponsor, Bet Online. <laughs> It's been a second, we've been some busy guys. So the old man, Andres Hale, was in Miami living it up and doing a little bit of work during Super Bowl week, which we're gonna get into in a second. I went to Disneyland and took my daughter there for her birthday and my stepdaughter. Was, it was also her birthday on the same day, so I took the whole fam, 14 people, to Disneyland and the Disneyland Resort. I am exhausted. But it was fun, Dre. I would first like to say on the record that I apologize for bad mouthing adults who go to Disneyland and or Disney World. I was misinformed. It's actually kind of fun. Kind of fun. That that it is great fun. Let's be
3: real here. Like you went, like I like I went and took my family uh, last summer. Like, we got a three-day pass. We we're like, ah, oh, we're only going to go for two days. No, that third day rolled around. You're like, yo, I'm going back to the Adventure Park, and I'm going to hit these rides that I missed. I'm going to go to Galaxy Edge. You're going to get it in. Like, it's great to see the kids have a good time, but, man, it's legit. I told you. I told you.
2: Good thing you <laughs> yeah. didn't bet on this one, though, right? <laughs> yeah. nah. this one, I've come to my senses. It's like uh, during our first episode where I badmouthed brunch and manicures.
3: Yeah. Now look at you.
2: Yeah. So listen. Yeah, Not me. You know Not me. <laughs> it's I have to admit, it was fun. Um, I still didn't get to see every ride. I didn't get to go on Galaxy's Edge. Oof. That's I, you missed yo, out. Yeah, you text a little stupid app at like nine AM. I texted at nine oh two. I was hundred and seventeen. Group hundred and seventeen. I was like, yo, you're wilding. Damn, you know, I walked right
3: in when I went to this random. <laughs> me and my pops, because my pops is like a super Star Wars nerd, and he was like, Yo, let's do it. He went on it twice. I just walked in. Yeah. And there was no weight,
2: zero weight. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, nah, so it was bananas. Um, didn't get to go on that ride, but everything else was really fun. Uh, shout out to the worldwide leader in sports for all the free tickets. Uh, perks of the job, so that that was dope. And then, I don't know what you're doing WrestleMania week, but me, Marcus Vandenberg, friend of the podcast, Yahoo Sports, we're going to Disney World that monday no we're not watching the raw after mania we're gonna live it up and chill at disney so i can't wait to go to disney world and try to do everything in one day it should be easier without kids
3: yeah y'all can have that i'm not going so i can take my daughter so i'm flying home it's gonna be enough wrestling i'm gonna be burnt out that weekend i'm going home
2: (laughs) i'm out yeah i can't be mad at that talking about being burnt out you were just down in miami super bowl week and uh, you know, how are you doing? Let let's start. Let's start on right. <laughs> how how are you doing, Dre? Let, let's make sure you're okay. Man, I'm recovered. I took a couple days off.
3: Um, I guess I can give you guys a rundown. So yes, we had we'll talk about the zone card we had in Miami, uh, Demetrius Andrade and Luke Keeler and the Jake Paul um Anson Gibb fight. But I was pulling double duty. I was I was doing Super Bowl week and uh For those of you who follow me on social media, you saw on Monday, got down there to Miami opening night, me and one of our deputy editors, Carissa Maxwell, we brought Rock'em Sock'em Robots, brought it to the opening night floor. Um, People were like, what are you guys doing? We're like, yo, I'm like, yo, I'm going to play Rock'em Sock'em Robots. So we played Rock'em Sock'em Robots with the Niners and the Chiefs, and um, it made the front page of the 49ers website. Uh, We were in a bunch of newspapers. And yeah it was wild man like that that f- opening night was wild just to see how many players were engaged in that um then it was like tuesday that we did a uh oh man if for any of you who have never been to the super bowl and if there's any journalists who listen to this that go to the super bowl man this is my first one. Oh my god i went to a media party and the media party had one floor you go upstairs it's like a cruise ship and it's like a bunch of old people in a band and i was like all right this is cool Walked around, and then there's a downstairs. The downstairs is a casino, video games, pinball, a DJ, um, a great view of the ocean. Mine is like all open bar, like food from like all across the world. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And that was like the first two parties. Second party was a Gatorade party, and that was like a dinner party where I, I ate octopus for the first time. Probably be my last time. wasn't all that great. Um yeah, man, it was, like that was crazy. We'll talk about the fight. I'll talk about the inner workings of us building this venue for this fight, which was on an island. Um, <laughs> it's yo, it's dog. It we
2: spared no expense.
3: We really didn't. We spared no expense for this fight. Uh, damn, it was just it was a really busy, busy, hectic week. You skipped um, over
2: two things. One, you wore a flower shirt.
3: Oh, every day. Oh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> yes. So if I, I figured. If there was anywhere that I could wear, like, sunglasses inside and a douchebag, like, Hawaiian shirt, it'd be in Miami, right? So every day I had a different floral-themed shirt or jacket with sunglasses. Every day. And I felt amazing doing it. Like, I was on the rooftop in Miami, which we'll talk about, like, Jake Gibb and Anson Gibb got into it, and Shane Mosey's about to throw Gibb off the roof, and I just was standing there taking pictures. I didn't care. I was in Miami. Miami's <laughs> yeah. amazing. It was, like, 80 degrees outside, like, there was just so many, th- and then for those of you who are new to this podcast, I am a super duper Niners fan. So my heart is broken. We'll talk about that later. Um, but it was like a, it was almost like a dream come true. I spent way too much money at the NFL shop, just buying Niners gear. Um, a lot of it just sucks now because we lost. But. What's the other thing? What else am I missing? You said two things: I, the Hawaiian douchebag shirts. Yeah, that was
2: one. Oh, and your and your Niners breaking your heart. Like you yeah. were, I was like, we can't just skip over the game because they blew a ten point lead, and your boy Shanahan is just known for this now. As soon yeah. as they got up, I was like, oh no, impending doom. Yeah, so that it was rough because
3: I mean, obviously, as a Niners fan and a long time Niners fan, getting to the Super Bowl was something that we really weren't supposed to do this year. We were in key rebuild mode. Jimmy G getting his feet back under him, building that defense, hoping to be healthy, Um, signing to Evan Coleman. Like, we're looking at this team like, all right, I'm hoping for 9-7. Nope, we go to the Super Bowl. So entering the Super Bowl, I wasn't going to be too heartbroken if we lost, because I was like, ah, we ain't supposed to be here. But we're here now, so I'd like to win. As we're winning, I'm excited. I'm like, all right, cool. That 3rd and 15 killed me. As soon as he, as soon as Patrick Mahomes connected on that 3rd and 15, I was like, it's over. We're done. They're going to come back and win (laughs) between that and our mismanagement of the clock before the end of the uh, first half where we should have called a timeout if we got the ball back. It just went for the jugular that those are two key things that just killed me. Um, So yeah, I was miserable for a night, but I'm back. I'm good. You know, I got some sleep, hung out with my family. Um, It's back to work. It's back to work. But Miami, I love you. It was amazing. It was busy. We did a lot of shit. A lot of shit I can't even talk about on this podcast because it was just wild. But um, it was a lot of work. So don't get it misconstrued. I wasn't just sitting there having a good time. I worked a lot.
2: No, yeah, no doubt about that. And it showed, man. It was a good fight. It was a good fight week. And the ambiance of the fight seemed really cool. And I'm not one of the people who are going to hate on you know Jake Paul as soon as his fight specifically. Because I told you last week, that was the main event for me. For a lot of people. So it was like okay, let's see what they have, and uh, Gib was out there. You got to tell me about Shane Mosley, but it, it really <laughs> felt like that—the entrances, everything—they made them feel like professional boxers.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess we'll get into it. So, yeah, there a lot of there's a loud and annoying group of boxing purists who really hate these fights, these, like these YouTuber fights. I don't hate them because I feel like. They're fighting each other. It's not like Conor versus Floyd with like one guy doesn't belong in the ring with the other. These guys are like lower level guys. Now, if you've ever been to a fight, and I'm not talking about the pay-per-view portion of the fight. I'm talking about from the first fight on. There are some really bad fighters who are professional fighters in boxing. There there are like really bad fighters. So, Gibb was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely terrible. He got mowed down. Just was wretched. But these guys have massive followings. And when you get the, U- like the YouTube crowd involved in boxing, only good things can eventually happen. Now, if you're a boxing purist, you're like, I ain't watching this anymore. Guess what? You're not going to be missed because you're like a small minority. Like mm-hmm. boxing is still very niche. So it's like it is what it is. You don't have to watch that fight. There are many times I watch the pay-per-view and there's a fight that's, that's on the pay-per-view. And I'm like, eh, if I'm not covering it, I'll go get a drink i eat some pizza. I'll do something else, and I'll come back for the fights I want to see. You can skip that fight. It ain't that hard. I'm not defending this as a company, man. I'm defending this as somebody who understands that boxing needs to reach bigger audiences. And I recognize that being out there because in Miami and building this facility, yo, the people that were at this fight, like, listen, the day. so I'm walking Radio Row, which we'll talk about, like, Masvidal and Usman and all that, but I'm walking Radio Row, and we see Saquon Barkley, and Saquon's like, I want to go to the fight word he didn't want to go see andre and keeler he wanted to see jake paul and then he was just like i'm just gonna stay so we had him on the broadcast juju he was there he wanted to go to fight i went to a bleacher report media party everybody there wanted to go to the fight they had no idea who demetrius andre was didn't even care they wanted to see this this jake paul thing i'm talking like the women that were there the celebrities that were there they were like we had like a black carpet we rolled out It just was introducing boxing to a new audience and made it feel young, fresh, and new. And to be clear, Jake Paul didn't look absolutely terrible in this fight. It looked like him working with Shane gave him a better jab than his brother, Logan Paul. And maybe he could fight. So he'll never be a world champion. He has no business fighting the best of the best in boxing. But if you put these fights on cards and you can bring in a new audience, why not? Like I'm telling you, that atmosphere in that place was electric. And as soon as Jake Paul knocked out Gibb, 60% of that crowd left. Like they waited for like a round or two of the Andre fight where Andre like blitz killer and knocked him down like two punches in. And as soon as they saw the fight was dragging on, people left and went to like Super
2: Bowl parties. <laughs> That's the key because you got to party. Yeah. You can't be late to the parties.
3: No. Like we did the way in by a pool on a rooftop. And like, like all these people came out like, I, like a lot of these YouTube kids, I don't know who they are, but they have like massive followings. There were so many people that was wanted to be involved with this event. Like, again, this is not something that you were going to regularly do every single week. But when it makes sense, it makes sense. And as long as like, Jake Paul's not fighting Canelo, I don't care <laughs> that much. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, if ESPN were to do it or PBC, like, I wouldn't care. This is a, a model that's bringing young eyeballs to sport. It's cool.
2: And it brings to bigger. Thing And we'll get to the exact fights in a second. But the bigger narrative is, should Miami get more fights? Because it seemed like the ambiance of Miami, it being 80 degrees, having all these clubs. It was also Super Bowl week, so I get it. You can't exactly feel how it would have been as a standalone event. But it seems like Miami, as a, as a fight place in general, was rocking earlier in the week.
3: Uh... I'm going to say no, because a lot of, you know, fight like media are not going to really travel to Miami regularly for a fight. But for this specific thing, Super Bowl weekend, you already have everybody in town for it. It made a lot of sense and the atmosphere was great. But it was like you said, it was like a byproduct of Super Bowl weekend. But it wouldn't hurt to have every once in a while to do like a Miami thing. Like we had like Miami sweaters that were like pink or ridiculous. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, like, you can do this you know, maybe once a year. A pretty big card. Maybe a guy like um, Keith Thurman, who's from Florida, put him on the card, something like that. I think that would make sense. I think that would be good. It's just not like a regular destination. We, and that arena was built specifically for this fight. Matter of fact, the, fri- the uh Wednesday night, I keep thinking the fight was on Saturday. It wasn't. It was Thursday. <laughs> Wednesday night, we are running around, like doing our rounds, trying to get things together. The venue wasn't finished yet. Like they were still painting. And then Thursday morning, we had to tell the media to wait a half an hour because the flooring wasn't done. So it was like super last minute and all being pulled together, but specifically for this event, specifically for the Super Bowl, and targeting a young demographic. It just it made sense. People that hated on it, you didn't have to watch it. That, I, that's not my biggest concern with boxing right now.
2: No, not. Again, I think people tuned in anyway. So the boxing purists are going to watch anyway. If you're paying for the zone, you're going to watch whenever you guys have boxing on. Yeah, that's just the nature of beast. You want to get your money's worth. Yeah, and it wasn't even the
3: best fight of the night. Like the best, the first two fights were the best of the night, which was actually key because those who watched the fight saw Daniel Roman for the first time and uh, saw him lose, and then they saw Tevin Farmer versus JoJo Diaz, which were actually two really good fights, and they were like, "Oh, I want to see some more of these guys." So it introduced an audience to. Fighters they had never seen before, so it kind of works, man. Like these things, these things work themselves out. Again, you got your pennies and a bunch of uh, about it. Too bad, I'm sorry.
2: All right, we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs, Niners in the Super Bowl? Fear not. Blue Wire is excited to be partnered with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of the year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all of your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. So head over to BlueWire.ag and use our promo
3: code BlueWire, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already making wages, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BlueWire, all one word, when you sign up at BetOnline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Before we get into the actual fights, there's still some Miami ambiance stuff I want to talk about. You know, stuff just around the fights in Super Bowl week. Dare I say one being Gervonta Tank Davis? Jesus Christ! Oh, so he wasn't on the fight card, but he was involved in a fight, or what seems to be a fight, where he uh, yoked up his baby mama out of the chair by the scruff of her shirt, and then kind of dragged her to the back, and he has now turned himself in on domestic violence charges, I guess he's fighting it, I don't know how you fight that, like, you can take the plea, you can say maybe it was more context behind it, but really, everyone saw you snatch her up, like, the, the, the film is there, the eye in the sky don't lie, as old school football coaches say, you're a rap, take it, and tell people you're sorry you'll learn from it get help but i i don't know why he's trying to deny and fight this and there's obviously context we will never know but no context to justify this am i wrong
3: no the biggest context here is Javante eva was stupid that's the context of everything like if he was anything he needed to turn himself in for being a dumbass like listen There have been a lot of athletes and a lot of celebrities, a lot of people in general who engage in domestic violence behind closed doors. But you know what happens? They stay behind the closed doors. And once it gets out to the public, you get massacred for it because domestic violence is just not cool. Javante Davis went to a public basketball game and yoked up his baby mama buy her the scruff of a jacket or buy her throat, whichever one you want to consider, and then took her out. And never once did he think, you know what? Somebody's watching this shit. So, yeah, like, come on, man. Like, you got to be smarter than that. Listen, man, like I don't I don't say criminals should be criminals and I'm not necessarily calling Javante a criminal. But when you do shit out in the open and get caught, I'm like, yo, you got to be smart. If you're going to be a criminal, be a criminal. If you're going to do what you're going to do, like do it behind closed doors. Like right now, as we're recording this, Nicki Minaj and Meek Miller airing out their dirty laundry on Twitter and letting the world in on some things that we don't know are factual or or. Like true, like we have no idea what these things are, but they've let the world in, and now we get to judge you, Javante. Oh, now word? we get to. Why judge am
2: you. I not following
3: this, dude? It's it's a mess. Nikki's talking about Meek beat up his sister and kicked her, and and Meek. like it's it's a big gigantic mess. You don't air out your dirty laundry in public, Javante. If you have beef with your baby mama, obviously you shouldn't put your hands on her, but if you're doing it in front of people. Leads a lot of people to believe that you probably beat her ass behind closed doors. So, just say you get, like, apologize. I don't know what's wrong with this area. I have no idea why nobody wants to apologize for anything. Y'all, everybody
2: wants to fight. Stop fighting. Say I'm sorry. <laughs> people That's just so hard. On their hands. Yeah, oh. I, I don't know. And for Tank specifically, they're trying to push him towards his first pay-per-view. You're trying to sell places uh leonard ellerby loves saying that oh he packs buildings he puts people in seats this isn't the way to do it especially in this current climate like you'll be canceled real quick and i mean he's he's not going to be he he's not to my knowledge like they'll find a way to spin it but there's plenty of other people to be the next big pay-per-view star he can be adrian broner in a blink of an eye
3: yeah, their minds are blinking. I
2: mean, devil's advocates are all this. Floyd
3: got caught up in his fair share of mess. But the thing about Floyd was he did it behind closed doors. Like there was, there was, you know, obviously his kids, you know, there's people that say that these things have happened, but it's never been caught on video. So Floyd just, he had to deal with it, but he kept winning. and You know, he continued to be this massive star. And some people swear by Floyd and be like, they act like that shit didn't even happen. Like it doesn't exist. With Javante like once you do it in public, like, as a racist, once you say the N-word in public, it doesn't go away. It's who you are. Like, now you're caught. So in Javante's case, I don't know if he'll get canceled. I don't know if the, you know his PR team can spin this away because that's their job, to clean up a mess, and this is a mess. And if he's get angling towards his first pay-per-view, may is enough time for this to be cleared up. But, dog, you got it. Like I keep saying this. Get the fuck away from Adrian Broner. <laughs> as far as you can. Jeez. oh it's
2: just he's it's got nothing
3: t- to lose like adrian's cooked it's over like yeah. Adrian broner is still going to sell tickets to for people who want to see him get beat up and it just continues to happen all he has left is the fact he hasn't been knocked out the day he gets knocked out it's over it's really over for adrian broner he's got nothing to lose tank you got your whole future ahead of you like you are one of the brightest stars in boxing you do pack buildings this i mean call the air in judgment whatever it is you need to fix this, but you need to surround yourself with better people. And I get it. Being from Baltimore, he's had a rough life. It's, it's hard to shake a lot of that, and he's still young. But you can fix this. But you got to take responsibility for your actions, and you got to take care of business, which means lay your, keep your hands off your baby mama. Now, any women
2: for that matter, chill out. Yeah, he has to, one, you got to want to fix it. And then, two, he has to recognize the position that he's in. He's moving like he's a normal dude still. And that's where you get just nothing but problems. The the level of fuck it that it takes to be at a what, Mayweather celebrity basketball game and just say, you know what? I could yoke her ass up right now is beyond belief. That just shows that like he has zero clue that he's not in Baltimore anymore. Or that he's not a hood. Common sense would tell someone that. And he's lacking common sense. But a lot of people thought that. It's okay, I'll say it. I don't got to, you know, preface it. He lacks common sense. When you miss weight, by a pound here, a pound there. He has no common sense, no discipline. All the talent in the world. Yet the only thing I see of Ryan Garcia is modeling pictures, which don't hurt nobody, and lines the pockets, and him in the gym getting quick as hell, beating the hell out of stuff at the gym. And you know what? I always thought, you know, Tango would give him the give him the hands. You know, Ryan Garcia might beat his ass in a year. Possible. You know if you we're mean. if we're keeping it 100. One guy is working, the other guy is happy. Happy being a knucklehead. That yeah. never plays out well.
3: And, I mean, there's other interesting things that you that you may or may not see. Um, I've seen Tank when he's not fighting, just like you see Adrian Broner when he's not fighting. Yep. Both those guys don't really take care of their weight. They blow up. Like, the Adrian Broner gut is a real thing. Like, when he's not fighting, he gains weight. And then he struggled. And That's why he ended up fighting out of his weight class because he couldn't get down to 40 and 35. He had to fight at uh, welt's weight. And he got cleaned out because that's that, that wasn't his weight class. Javante is a guy who looks bigger when he's not fighting. Obviously, some guys gain weight, but the best of the best that we've seen in boxing, when you look at Floyd, when you look at Terence Crawford, they don't—they may gain weight naturally, but they don't like roll up with a, with a gut no. at a young age. They take care of themselves. Like Floyd was a gym rat; he never got out of the gym. So it's tank. You have to question the discipline. And as you get rich, some guys are satisfied with being a certain level of rich. It's like, oh, I got a couple million. Cool. Like Floyd was never satisfied. He just kept going. You can't get distracted by the money that you have and all the luxuries that you have now if you want to keep gaining them. Sooner or later, I mean, dude, didn't Adrian Broder just have like a a cash app or something asking people for money recently?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he did. What was that about? I don't, the guy's weird. He only fights once a year. He's fought once a year since 2016. I mean, they're like $2 million paydays, but I'm sure they don't last long. After paying everyone you got to pay, taxes, like, he, he might need a cash-up because he's not active. No one wants to feed him people he can beat anymore. No, that's old. That's his problem. He, he was a really good B-side, and he was great at that because he can take two or three fights, beat guys, which he could still beat at, like, 140, and then get wopped. No one's feeding him those guys anymore. PBC isn't feeding him those guys anymore. So now you look and Tank obviously has more skill than that, but if he lacks the discipline, there's plenty of people with skill. Diofimo Lopez has skill and a belt. And he's not doing any of that shit. No, man. You Lomachenko is still around. Like that weight division is bonkers. Devin Haney is right there. Yeah. It's like pff, there, there's no rest for Tank. If he, if he thinks that he can do all of this and juggle it it's it's not happening because it's a division where everyone is working everyone is young everyone's hungry and in a blink he's not going to be horrible but in the ring he can be danny garcia in a blink where where you're the fourth fifth guy looking up yeah
3: and again i keep saying this with tank davis like, he's looked great, but he has not been hit in the mouth one good time. I need to see him react. I haven't seen that yet. What happened, like, we found out Adrian Broner got a great chin. We found that out with Maidana. Maidana kind of beat his ass, and then Adrian Broner stayed in the fight. So we, we was like, oh, got heart. That's, that's what we saw. When he's getting his ass beat, he's going to stay in there. Or he's going to turtle up. Like, one of the two happens. Tank, we haven't figured that out yet. Tank has not been clocked by, by a, top, a big puncher yet. We haven't seen how he reacts to that yet so when we talk about tank and how far he can go like he's got to realize you're only scratching the surface you really haven't fought anybody you still got a long way to go and you over here putting you know getting your biggest knockouts against baby mamas that ain't it chief that ain't it get those performances in the ring not out of them
2: yeah we'll see how he progresses after this but that that was a narrative from the week no one was expecting and that's the wrong way to steal headlines on a week where you're in a place where all eyes are on you. It's the Super Bowl. Mm. Like it's the arguably the dumbest place to do this shit at. Not that there is anywhere that's good to yoke up your baby mom. No. But this is a place where all eyes are on you at a boxing event at the Super Bowl. People are going to know who you are and he was an idiot in front of the world. So we'll see where he goes with that. Um, the other funny story I want to ask you about, because you might have a, a little bit of first-hand knowledge, you, you know, just got your ears to the street down in Miami. It seems like there's a big stripper revolt in Miami, Dre. Right? People go down there. <laughs> I didn't know this side of the—I guess I didn't know this side of the Super Bowl. I worked at BSO enough to cover a lot of this shit. But strippers travel, oh, so yeah. do escorts. I There's many an escort on my Facebook that I uh, happen to go to high school with, and they're now uh, women of the night, that caught flights this past weekend to go to Miami, specifically to, I don't know, participate in the world's oldest profession. Let's say that. Strippers were down there as well. There's a quality control party, I guess. Cardi is like one of the people with it on the label, whatever. They throw this stripper party. I'll give you the name. It's the Million Dollar Bowl. They're expecting a million dollars thrown in the air for these strippers. Estimates have it around 500 strippers were participating in this. Videos came out. I could barely call some of these women strippers. They were doing, they, they weren't even twerking. I don't know what they were doing. It was a mild shiver at best and hoping to get money thrown on them. And then there's other videos where people are sweeping up the money into their pants, jeans, and purses. Taking it home. And at the end of it all, strippers are saying they left with $1,100 for the night. I don't feel bad for them. (laughs) I really don't like going and flying somewhere to strip for the Super Bowl amongst 500 other people. I say you get what you get. And especially lazy strippers. But I have the worst strip club etiquette. What what was the vibes like? I, I don't know if you partook in, like, you know, going, just checking out the scenery, grabbing some wings or something from a strip venue down there. But I'm sure you saw people walking around. What was it like down there, even at the parties? Were people really trying to spend money or was it that, yo, I'm here, was it Mayweather weekend? The fake flossers and the strippers got a point. There were people not throwing any dollars, and the strippers out there starving now, hoping for a buddy pass to get home.
3: All right, so I got a story to tell, but I'm going to hold that. Um, first, I didn't get to partake in any of the wildness. Um, I believe this million-dollar bowl was at Live. Am I right? Was it at Liv? Um,
2: I will look at what venue it was at. All right. And Liv had to have the best marketing because the Super Bowl— letter the, the Roman numerals were live yeah so it was like the easiest thing you should be printing money
3: so I'm I'm assuming it was there but correct go ahead and look at them and correct me but uh a friend of mine who I did a long time ago is the event coordinator at live and uh so if that was there Javante happened to be there after this baby mama incident <laughs> he was like unpacking <laughs> he was unpacking money to throw and it was like I seen video of this it was insane I didn't get to, I didn't go I was busy working. I went to, like, um, official Super Bowl media events, which was, like, a bunch of, like, lame journalists. Some cool people. But for the most part, you know, it, it wasn't, like, it wasn't Stripper Bowl, right? So, but there was a hybrid in Miami because, like, when I had to go from the convention center where all the radio roll and Super Bowl activity was to, like, where Bleacher Report was, which was, like, in Wynwood or wherever, you could see it. Actually, you could smell it. Like, between the strippers and and the fake goal, like you could spell it all in the air, like everybody was down there flossing, and it was just a big mix up, so I can only imagine what it was like with the royal rumble of strippers because some of y'all are gonna get tossed out first, so a couple of you are gonna make it to the end. Some of you have no business being there, so I'm not mad at anybody who went down there hoping they were gonna get paid and left with eleven hundred dollars. Look eleven hundred dollars is more than a lot of people left with in miami, so that's all you got that's all you got it's on you it was expensive the hell to get there now story time since I didn't partake of this I'm going to tell you guys about a party that I went to where money was getting thrown around and what my etiquette was so a few years ago several years ago I went to a Memorial Day party in Vegas and uh, I was with Luol Deng uh, and a bunch of his people Von Miller was there uh, Rashard Lewis was there a bunch of other people was there it was at like Light or one of these clubs. Can't remember. Uh, so, Lual has a table. We get a table. Come in. There's a bunch of us at a table. Now, Lual's Nigerian. Nigerians are cheap for stereotypical purposes. They don't like to really spend money, but they had a table. Uh, Earlier in the day, we, I think uh, they went to see Kendrick. Something like that. I can't remember. But we all went out. And we go to this, this club. And it's insane. As soon as we walk in, like money's falling on us. And I'm looking around. And my wife is actually with me, which is crazy. But my wife is with me. My sister-in-law is with me. Uh, My old videographer from Jay-Z's Life and Times. This had to be like six, seven years ago. It was like when Luol Deng was an all-star. That's how long it was. And the party's going. Money's flying through the air. And I'm looking at my wife. And my wife's looking at me. And there's like money on the floor at our feet. And she looks at me. And she's like, yo, are we supposed to like just leave it here? And I'm like, I don't know. And like Von Miller's got the table behind us. And he's throwing money like just everywhere girls going nuts all this stuff is happening you know and then like i can hear this girl's like act like you've been here before and she's not picking up the money (laughs) so i'm sitting there and i'm like damn man like all this i'm like yo i mean you know i'm not broke but i'd be a fool like if you walk down the street and you just see money on the floor you don't pick it up because you got to act like you've been here before fuck that so i'm standing there and this was the breaking point for me luau's not throwing money he's got a bottle his brother's there my boy Amp is there like we're drinking we're drinking a lot so money's falling from the sky and then like some pimp comes in he's throwing money so it's like it's like this <laughs> windfall of money uh, there was a like a like a $5 bill lands on my shoulder and I'm standing there and I look at it and I'm like well, what am I supposed to do with this it's on me now Luol Dang plucks the $5 bill off my shoulder looks me dead in the face and says get money my brother that was it ha 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 From that point on, all bets were off. We just scooped up money. Dog, we came away that night with about a rack. (laughs) This was all thanks to Lou Aldang. If I see him again, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if he does this regularly at the club. But yes, the brother saw the $5 bill. He plucked it off my shoulder, said, get money, my brother. Put it in his pocket and all bets were off from that oh. point we it were you know we weren't like scrambling to get the money but if the money like fell on you he's you like all right you sweep it you know boom boom you get it all right sweep it up with your foot step on it a hundred dollar bill oh shit you step on that i'm gonna get that i'm gonna reach like i'm tying my shoes i'm gonna get you know a good hundred dollars yo we left the club with at least a rack
2: at least at least a rack you so have the worst strip club etiquette (laughs) and it's all Luol dang's fault (laughs) yeah but i I
3: don't care listen i am married with child i am a grown man and i could give a fuck what anybody else thinks about me picking up money because if he's doing it if Luol dang is taking money off of my shoulder and putting it in his pocket who
2: am i to say no Uh, after like $80 million worth of contracts. This is probably before those. But still, this is right
3: around that deal with the Bulls before he got traded to (laughs) Miami or before he went to the Lakers. Whenever it happened. Um, But yeah, so for me... When I see stuff like that and I see people like, when I see strippers saying, oh, I only came away with $1,100, shorty, you could have just picked up the money that was at your feet at some point in the club instead of trying to act like you've been there before. Now you act like you stuck at the airport down, trying to figure (laughs) out how the fuck you are going to get home.
2: So I guess they sweep it all up and then they got to split it 400, 500 ways. Couldn't be me. There's no way in hell that if I work
3: at a strip club and I'm a stripper and I'm stripping and all this money is flying my way, I ain't waiting for somebody else to scoop it and give me my half.
2: I'm getting my brain. Now, (laughs) right now, (laughs) anything in this radius is mine. Try to take it. Don, we ain't waiting tables, we stripping. Ain't no rules to this shit. Give me the money. Be handing out RKOs at any security guard trying to take the money,
3: right? If I was a stripper, my (laughs) song when I strip would be Biggies, give me the loop. <laughs> no games.
2: That's not a strip club
3: song at all. Not at all. But th- <laughs> for that night, if I'm a bad one, I'm playing Give Me the loot And somebody in Tim's going to go, Oh, and throw a bunch of money. And I'll be like, Thank you.
2: <laughs>
3: Transparency, man. Transparency.
2: Yo, Dre is all for taking the money from strippers. I don't all right. Care. Well, I, listen, I don't throw money at strip clubs. I have a firm, I throw $5 all night policy. So I go, I get five ones. I sit away from the stage. So I'm not forced. To throw money. And occasionally, if a girl's doing something very, very phenomenal on the pole, I will go up there and lay $1 on the stage and then sit back down, knowing I can only do this five times all night. So you really gotta wow me. There's often times I leave the club with about $2 in my pocket. Why? Because there wasn't five, uh, like five girls worthy of getting a dollar that night. So I, I have this strict plan. I don't get dances, no lab dances in the back no boom boom rooms none of that for me uh i did that once time like my bachelor party the first one and it was ridiculous um yes i said the first one you know multiple marriages but uh yeah i spent like 400 400 on a chick but to be fair she was like 6'1 like 215 just just beautiful just but muscular not china muscular but you know she was like brazilian or something she can take all that money i hope she spent it well so <laughs> since that day though like yeah i don't i don't throw money the strippers you know they come sit on your lap they're like hey they converse i'm the master at talking to strippers like i will talk about yo know, their life plans all this stuff we have interesting jobs obviously they always want to hear about our jobs and then you look up 45 minutes later and they'll be like oh so do you want to dance like, oh, Ah, no no thank you and then they're tight and they walk away yeah
3: because that, that that conversation is an investment but i'm glad like Kel, i didn't know this about you you're a tr- you have a you're a stripper whisperer and you're cheap that's
2: oh that's good as cheap as they come in the strip club yeah you know for what for what i go to a regular club that is free dancing on me is free and at this point in 2019 I've seen women in 2020, 2020. 2020 yeah. women in regular clubs have less on than women at strip clubs. So what are you providing me? And you damn sure ain't getting money from me when there's 50 strippers in here and the four baddest women are behind the bar. <laughs> what <laughs> the hell am I giving you money for? No, Why aren't they shaking ass? Like I'm very confused here. So I can't justify spending my money. Yeah, makes sense. I just really can't. It's just, if I'm not getting the best bang for my buck, I'm not going to do it. That's like bringing us into a steakhouse. We're in Ruth's Chris. And they're just, you you see the steaks, you smell the steaks, but they bring McDonald's burgers to your table. What the hell am I doing? I'm not paying for McDonald's burgers. The steak is back there. You let me know when the steak comes to the table. That I'll pay for. They don't. They're bartenders. So I'm going to drink my money's worth. If I even spend money drinking in, cl- in strip clubs, I'm gonna drink and I'll tip them because they're the ones who deserve it. So yeah, nah, spend money in strip clubs. It's nice to know that you pick up money in strip clubs, though. We are too. This is why we don't go to strip clubs. We mm-hmm. go around the world for fights. Mm-hmm. We're always hanging out. We have never gone to a strip club. Mm-mm. Even Floyd Mayweather Ratchet Weeks. We've never been a girls' collection.
3: Got, I've been invited many times. I'm like, no, like, why? To be broke. Like yeah, I some I people know. want to what do we time we time. Like I've I've done an, I've done enough of them in, back in the day where I was just like, eh, I can kind of do without this. Like yeah. I'm not taking any of you home. What's the point?
2: Like, yeah. mm, nah, if, if you catch me in a strip club, it's because I'm eating. That is I'm a habitual strip club food connoisseur.
3: Mm, yeah. Some
2: people that. aren't with that because like, you know, it's it's too close. But it's <laughs> too close to other things. I'm not. Wings are bomb. Anytime I go to Atlanta, I eat in strip clubs all the time. Um, Vegas has legit, legit steakhouses like Sapphire Steakhouse, incredible. And I usually get dessert: chocolate cake, chocolate cake or red velvet if they have it. You get dessert? Okay, wait, hold on. Oh yeah, I, you get. I, I understand like the strip club Food? buffet. Like I get yeah. that, but dessert? Yeah, Where? no, I get dessert every time. Okay, piece of cake. Milk on the rocks. Milk milk on the rocks. That's exactly how I ordered. They'd be like, what? Like, yes, I want my milk on ice, large glass, piece of cake. And just leave it here. And I will I will watch. Once again, I don't sit on the stage and I will watch, listen to good music, and eat my food. Most of my money in the strip club goes to the food. So I'm dead serious. I and some people are like refusing to eat in strip clubs. I feel bad for those people. They miss out on some quality, Dre. If we're in a strip club, I don't know about girls' collection because that shit's wildly expensive. But if we go to a strip club one time, our wives have nothing to worry about because all we're doing is eating. And we'll bring them back doggy bags.
3: Yeah, I ain't doing, like, listen, I'm going <laughs> to eat some wings. I ain't bringing it back. I'm not leaving. There's Listen, man, for me, there is a bar. And I'm not going beneath that bar. Yeah, okay, maybe some wings. I'm not ordering dessert. I'm not ordering milk on the rocks. And I'm definitely not taking a meal from the strip club home that's what? all you that is all you Oh, sir. in
2: atlanta in atlanta v like i've i've been chilling my uh <laughs> my aunt in atlanta that i go uh see and hang out with all the time her and her husband are hilarious and you know they grew up in new york during like the bad boy era all that shit so now they're transplants down in atlanta but they still go out they still have fun they're still young and uh her and her husband bring back strip club food all the time they were ordered to go from the strip club pick it up and bring it back to the crib Is that a better restaurant anywhere in... No, they got some fire quesadillas at this strip club by their house. Oh, my (laughs) God. I I went to college in Atlanta. Like, I've seen this, but... Okay. (laughs) Exactly. You were down there. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's delicious. The best chefs in Atlanta are in the strip clubs. I guess they want to see girls busting it wide open while they cook. (sighs) All right. It's logical. Listen, man. That's it. Let's go on to the fights. We've got off the wheels. (laughs) Let's let's roll it back. There were actual fights going on in Miami, not between strippers for money or not between people trying to pick up money that the strippers, quote-unquote, earned. The fights were happening in the ring. We had Jake Paul versus Anson Gibb, which was the highlight of that show but since it's really not a true boxing match we'll start with that one and jake paul like you said looked good he learned some stuff from shane mosley and he did what his brother could not he got the knockout and he was what impressed me was he was patient in chasing the knockout yeah the way he went about it was like nah this kid had some training he went up to big bear right that's where shane had him Mm -hmm. and they were training like he went through the steps of a legit professional boxer and through osmosis something rubbed up you know rubbed off on him and he looked good in the ring and i'm kind of interested in seeing him fight ksi next
3: yeah that's definitely gonna happen i mean logan paul has said it before that you know jake is a better boxer than me and logan wants to do mma doesn't mean we're not gonna see logan paul in the boxing ring again nevertheless um yeah for all intents purposes jake looked good I, I it's not like he's a world-class boxer but Gib was terrible. On top of that, that's the other thing. Gib was awful.
2: Yo, his movements were so weird. Like yeah. he was up and down. It, it was yeah. very odd. It was, he looked like uh, Jim Carrey and me, <laughs> myself and, and Irene. Irene yeah, because I mean, of Irene, when he just coming in on mad different level changes. That's yeah. how Gib fought.
3: Like we, we kind of knew. Um, I mean, I, I kind of figured that Jake was going to beat him, but on Tuesday. So on Tuesday night uh well tuesday afternoon we did a our face off uh where we had gib and uh jake you know converse we had uh big red lauren she moderated it and they went back and forth and this is where things got kind of wiry so jake is used to be in the spotlight he's like a typical douchebag dude um he's talking shit he's gonna knock out gib gib clearly looks out of his element like he looks like you know i'm a youtube guy but you know this real life shit i ain't about that life like so, apparently, earlier in the day, um, Gib was at the hotel gym, and Jake Paul's mom was there as well. This is very weird. Jake Paul's mother records Gib like boxing and sends it to Jake, and Jake shoots back. He's fucking terrible, bro, and when he sees him, <laughs> he tells him the same thing. So, I say that to say this. I'm interviewing Jake, um, and Gib is standing... It, like with his crew, which is Vidal, which is KSI's trainer, um, and everybody else are standing there. And Jake Paul, Shane Mosey's over there, Jake Paul's mom, da da da. Somewhere in there, uh, Gib calls Jake Paul's mom a snake. Jake Paul hears this. He turns and he looks. And in my head, I go, oh shit, he's going to throw him off the roof. But he doesn't. What I re- quickly realize is Jake Paul knows what it takes to promote a fight, and he goes, keep rolling. This is good. And he's like watching, and Gibb is like getting surrounded by Jake's team. They're going back and forth, and you can see like Gibbs' lips is quivering. And then for some, I don't know, like I've never seen Shane out of character before, but Shane was pissed. So Jay, Shane jumps up, and he has, and first of all, Shane looked ridiculous. He had like a fur coat on in Miami, <laughs> I, dude. And he had a, he got a new girl, his his ex that took all his belts. No more. He's got like a, a young baddie, and. He <laughs> is
2: she also uh of asian descent no she's, it's, it's a sister it's a black girl
3: but oh really yeah it's cr- like I, I was like who is this like i was like his assistant like bernard hopkins has an assistant you'd be like are they, they? no it's so like bernard's assistant no this is like shane's girl and she's like yelling at gibb like you da, da da. and, and gibbs says something to shane and shane like pops up well and like and you know <laughs> he smiles all the time but he was legitimately pissed and jake is like i've never seen shane like this before and he's like, keep rolling. And we're just rolling. I'm like, yo, they're going to throw somebody off the roof. And I was like, this is good footage. Social media is good for this. Anyway, this was, it was absolutely bananas. But at that point, I was like, yo, Jake is going to knock this kid out. Because he's not doing it for like likes, even though he does do it for likes. But he's taking this boxing thing very seriously. Because he wants to win. Gibb is just out of his element. And it showed as soon as the fight started, Gibb tried to rust him, Jake was calm, poised, hit him with like a check hook, which he kept calling during our interview, and he knocked him out. So yeah, they're gonna, he's going to fight KSI, if you don't want to watch it, too bad, but it's going to happen, Jake is actually pretty good for a guy who's never boxed before, I was entertained, the fight was dumb, but I was entertained. I'm entertained about a lot of dumb fights. Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin is wildly recognized as one of the biggest fights in the UFC and the one that brought it into the mainstream. Watch that fight again, it's fucking terrible. But it was fun. (laughs) It's a fun fight. Like, these guys are not strikers, but they're just going to blows. Listen, people. Technique is not what sells fights. Like, the biggest wars in boxing lack a lot of technique. They just, like, you look at Gotti Ward. I'm not saying they're not skilled boxers, but Gotti Ward was not like Pernell Whitaker and Floyd Mayweather. It it just wasn't it. Or Andre Ward. These are two guys that brawled. If these guys brawl, people are going
2: to watch. It's just the way it is. It's just what happened. But... Yeah, that's that's it. That's all I gotta say about that. (laughs) So Shane Mosley was about to throw hands. People often forget because again, he is smiling, you know, he's training, he's you know, talking and singing the praises of Jake in these interviews leading up to the fight. I don't know if Gibb just thought, like, yo, he's just part of the crew. I'm not sure if Gibb recognized who he actually was. Like Shane put hands on people, my man. Like Mm -hmm. real hands. Don't go there with him. No. he's not a youtuber like this guy did this at a high level the highest for a long time Yeah, he was a pound-for-pound pound king at one point but give also admitted he was like I don't really watch boxing yeah we were just all like oh shit
3: yeah
2: <laughs> like like yo he's not the one to mess with yeah Man. the little smiling dude over there yeah. yeah don't do it at all and the theme in which we're combining boxing and MMA so we have like another 20 minutes on this show this week And we'll get to it. Is that you, sir, were at the heart of a lot of these beefs out of the ring beefs in Miami this week? I wouldn't go that far. We will talk. You're the common denominator, Dre. You were bringing you were bringing that energy, the energy in, and people wanted to start something. We'll talk about the other situation when we get to MMA. Continuing on with the fight, we touched on it. Tevin Farmer lost his title. This is a guy who we thought should fight Tank Davis, right? Their he, beef. Yeah, he get wrecked. Oh, he would have like, got. He would have got Molly Wap. Tank missed out on that. Not that Farmer is like a huge name, but it could have been that feud where he really, really put hands on someone. I was watching, I think Oscar De La Hoya versus Vargas the other day. Mm-hmm. And that was one where De really, like that fight sticks out to this day because De wanted to beat the hell out of him, mm-hmm. like on some real stuff. That could have been Tank. And Tank would have beat the hell out of him in that same fashion where we look back and be like, yo, damn, that was a good fight. So he just didn't get there in time. But Farmer says he's coming back. He looked a little off. There was a lot of blinking. His eyes weren't working right. It's He didn't make any excuses, but... It'll be interesting to see if something was actually wrong with him as time plays out.
3: Nah, that's kind of who Tevin Farmer is. Um, you know he has like a tick, and you know they people talk about his eyes and all of that stuff. The reality is, like during fighter meetings, we were sitting with Tevin, and I started getting this feeling that Tevin was overlooking Diaz. Like we were talking about, you know, Tevin was like, "I got two two fights, I'm gonna move up to thirty five because that's where all the money fights are at," and I was watching old Jo like not old but JoJo Diaz fights. He didn't look all that great in his last two fights, but then I went back to the Gary Russell fight. And then I asked JoJo, I was like, well, shit, you fought Gary Russell. Tevin Farmer's not fought anybody close to Gary Russell before. JoJo Diaz fought Cancio. Like, JoJo Diaz has a pretty good resume. And at a certain point, I was like, um, this is a real-ass fight. And, you know, Tevin said something that completely threw us all off at fighter meetings when he said, JoJo's too small. And I looked at Sergio Moore, and I was like, what? Like... No dude, like Jojo's a big 30. He's not small. And from that point I was like, yo, this is this is a bad fight for Tevin. He's not he's not expecting what Jojo's going to do, which is going to be to pressure him intelligently, bring the fight to him, and then endure the cut of a lifetime. Like his his yo, Jojo's cornerman, his cutman should have been given a world title as well cuz him managing <laughs> that cut was unbelievable. Like it was split open I think round 2 or 3 and where i was seated i was i could see it like it wasn't like tv like i looked and i was like oh shit!" his eye has another eye and from that point i was like they're gonna stop the fight and they didn't his cut man managed it and he went 12 rounds and he somehow
2: at points it wasn't even bleeding no it was was just gaping like it was huge and gaping and all red you can see damn near to his skull like there was no blood. No. And, I still don't know how that happened.
3: And from that point, like, I'm watching JoJo just pressure Tevin, bringing the fight to Tevin. And it's kind of what happens when you allow the guy to be matched up relatively soft for a long time, and then he starts thinking he's a world beater. Now Tevin has to go back to the drawing board. Because he was... The, like, there was a 115, 113 scorecard. Get the fuck out of here. I had it that... that I think I had it nine rounds to three for Diaz. It wasn't wow. that close. It was not close. Like, Diaz ran rough shot over Terrence in my humble opinion and yeah now you look at it Javante has no reason to ever fight Tevin Farmer it was a poor performance and he lost there's nothing there
2: no unless Javante is just going to be a pay-per-view guy and you know he's just on one of those middle pay-per-views where he doesn't want to face the best of the best every single time and Tevin moves up to 135, it'd be a nice guy to beat up on.
3: Yeah, I mean, Tevin's got some work to do. He's got his work cut out from him. When you get soundly beat by JoJo Diaz, like, you got soundly beat. JoJo's, he's good. He's good. It was, a, you know what? The reality is, and we won't talk too much about Daniel Roman losing. Um, because i mean it was a great fight against akhmedeliev but uh yeah Achmedeliev- and i think
2: they could run that back that was actually a close fight it was just a good fight yeah it was a really good fight
3: and daniel roman just wasn't so like devin haney was at our fighter meetings and because he called the uh the jake paul fight but devin asked him because daniel roman only had like a six-week training camp he's coming off a of shoulder surgery and devin was like that's not a good idea and it turned out it wasn't like he lost um but it wasn't a good weekend for Matchroom, uh eddie Hearn stable because not only did tevin farmer lose and now Daniel Roman lost. But then Demetrius Andre didn't make his case any better for fighting a Canelo Alvarez or a Triple G. Because he let Luke Keeler hang around way
2: too long. Yeah, but I mean, he ended up getting the job. Like, I don't know. It's I've seen worse fights by him. No, I, I agree. but I, He's just not entertaining. But that, this, this was his entertaining side. This was him trying to impress. That, and there's a problem with that. Like, listen. We know
3: if Canelo sees food to eat, he's going to eat it. Like, he's not going to play with his food. And he can do it. He can brawl. He can Like, Canelo can do pretty much anything. Triple G, when he finds an opponent, he's like, eh, I don't feel like going rounds with this guy anymore. It doesn't look like he's trying. He just finishes guys. That's what he does. Andre needed a statement fight. And Keeler was not a guy who was going to ever pose any threat to Demetrius Andre. And instead, Andre knocks him down with the first two punches he throws and spends the rest of the fight loading up power shots and just look sloppy he just didn't look like he got the job done but he was supposed to get the job done I guarantee you because it was like 1230 in the morning in the east coast at a certain point people just started to tune out because he's not gonna like who wants to see him fight Billy Joe Saunders next I know he wants it but I don't like I'm just I think Andrade is good I think he's dangerous I think he's like I don't want to say he's exactly like Arisande Lara was, even though Arisande Lara, now that he's older, he's like, stands and holds his ground and punches back, but is a guy who's dangerous, and it's not worth the risk. For a lot of guys, you're just like, ah, you're not going to sell tickets, might be a tough fight, why am I going to fight you? And that's what he is now. He's a world champion that's just like, ah, it's a last-ditch resort. If I want your belt, I'll come get it, but I'm going to deal with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and then maybe you if you still have that title. Canola's fighting a 68 next, It's like a foregone conclusion. Triple G, he might chase Canelo with 60 game, even though he says he won't. They'll, they'll have to figure out something to get Andre to big fight, because I just don't see it happening. This performance was not one where I left and was like, yo, he made a statement. Didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, Billy Joe Saunders, to me, is the perfect guy to fight, though. Because the only way for one of these guys to get a Triple G or Canelo fight or to garner enough interest is to have those belts. Like, at this point, you have to have enough belts to make it worthwhile. If not, Andre, never, he's never getting the fight if he can't get multiple belts in that division. No, he has to. But the the world, like the real fight
3: to make, if there was one fight to make at 60 that would make sense for both parties if the offer came through, is Charlo and Andre in a unification bout. That's, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because at this point, you're not going to get Canelo. You're not going to get triple G. You're probably not even gonna get, like you're not even going to defend your title against somebody like Derevchenko, which I don't even know where he's ranked right now uh, by the sanctioning body. But Charlo has a world title and he really has nobody to fight.
2: So pair them together. Winner gets yeah. to unify. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a good idea. It's just so hard to talk, you know, PBC into doing that when they're like, "Yo, you're not even giving this guy to your champions." Like, they yeah. get so easy in house. So why are you giving him to us? Like you won't even use him. Well, see, I think you don't want him.
3: I think that the deal that you have to make is like, all right, cool. Um, Andre, like, again, you have to barter. So it's like Andre, Charlo, like we'll loan Andre to PBC to fight on Fox, to fight Charlo. And then you give us a guy to fight on the zone. Like you have to, you have to make the trade off worth it because if Charlo wins, Charlo beats, Andre, he unifies titles. And then Charlo can lay claim to saying, all right, cool. If you want to be undisputed, this is where you got to go. And I beat this guy that had a world title and was undefeated. If Andre wins, same thing. Because it's like, all right, if you want to unify, if you want to be undisputed at 60, you got to go through me. It only helps both fighters because neither of them have anywhere to go. I think it's the only thing that makes sense. Eddie Hearn did say he, he sent an offer letter to Charlo and they turned it down. Don't know how true that is. Listen, I work at The Zone. I don't work for Eddie Hearn. Eddie blows a lot of goddamn smoke i have no idea what's true and what's not what's false i have no clue but he says he did so maybe he did but that fight should happen next if charlo has nobody else to fight
2: see it's so weird because andre would go to fight charlo on fox but the smartest move is to pay pbc enough to get charlo to fight on the zone and have one of your cool ass the zone tournaments yeah, and you get a un- undisputed champion in what eight months I mean, listen, we we
3: all saw the Super 6 win. Those tournaments could be a goddamn nightmare. Injuries and everything else, like, they, they could be the worst. That's true. World Boxing Super Series, it works uh, when everybody's healthy. And then you got, like, one guy like Inouye who, like, blows through everybody. Fine. Yeah, you, I mean, you end up unifying titles. That makes sense, too. I don't know if that's going to make sense here. But all I'm saying is, Andre, he just didn't make a case for himself to get the big fights. I like Boo Boo. I think he's he's a good dude. He's weird. He's fun. But that that just wasn't that wasn't it that performance just wasn't it gotta move on
2: nah i i agree um let us move on and talk about mma to wrap up the show uh we're going to preview ufc 247 which is coming up this weekend but first we have to talk about you and your aura of creating beef down in miami and were you or were you not speaking to jorge masvidal (laughs) just minutes minutes Uh. before him and uswan started beefing i just need this i need this to be clear to the audience yeah kind i mean okay so (laughs) there you (laughs) go so here's what you bring
3: the beef around you so here's what happened so uh walking radio row doing interviews i interviewed gorilla's destiny i interviewed some other people i interviewed Deontay wilder i run into masvidal standing outside there's an old spice booth where everybody's like getting beards done and all kinds of stuff i run into massive all. i'm like oh hey what's up didn't think he remember me i don't not sure if he did or not he's like oh hey what's up man i'm talking and i see his manager and i can't remember his manager's name and i'm like yo where i got time for an interview He's like of course he's gonna do espn i was like all right cool he was like can you do it while he's getting his hair done so we go in we watch him getting his hair done if anybody who's covered ufc you know who black dave is Kel, you know who black dave is yeah black dave walks in and dave's like oh andreas what's up i was like nothing about the interview master he's like cool i got joanna and jay chick come in and um and then he like kind of like doesn't say it loud but he's like usman's coming i'm like oh word okay so <laughs> master gets his hair done we do this interview i ask masvidal Something along the lines of, because we talk about Canelo, obviously, on the zone, like, you know, do you want to fight Canelo? He says, yeah, but then he says, I only want to do it for the money because I'm not an idiot. Which is the first time I ever heard anybody just say, I want to try myself, but I really don't give a shit. It's for the money. So then he says, I ask him, uh, well, if you could fight Conor, uh, Canelo, or Usman, and they all paid exactly the same, who would you choose? Masodal doesn't even think. He's like, Usman, I want to break his fucking face. <gasps> I was like, oh, okay. Well, in my mind, I'm like, well, shit, that's the next fight that's going to happen in the UFC. It's obvious, like, he really doesn't like this guy. But as he's saying this, I notice Dave is leaving, and he has a world title in his hand in, like, the little case. I'm In my head, I'm like, oh, shit, Usman's coming. So Masvidal walks out. He's got his little uh, liquor or whatever, and he's doing, I think he's interviewing with some guy at ESPN. And I have to go because I think I got. I think that's the day I had fighter meetings. So as I'm walking out, I'm like, "Oh shit, it's Usman." I go, I take the cab. We go to the. I uh, take an Uber to a fighter meeting. Maybe 20 minutes later, I get an alert. Usman Masvidal. Let's get into it at radio. And I look at <laughs> where they're at, and I'm like, "Yo, that had to be like 10 minutes after I left him." So maybe he did like the ESPN interview, and then that shit happened. But I'm not gonna say it's totally, But I I don't know if Masvidal was amped up.
2: But shit. And now that's the fight they're <laughs> going to You sparked the thought. You sparked the thought to start the beef. And he walked out. And he was like, look at this shit. Just speaking of you. And, uh, you know, Basel did the hands behind the back shit. But Usman had a cast on, I guess. Soft cast.
3: Yeah, he's still here. Up. I interviewed him, too. He came. He actually came to the Jake Paul fight. <laughs> he had VIP seats. It was crazy. Um,
2: yeah, like, yeah. I think, I mean, it seems like Dana White, I believe, said for International Fight Week. Yep. I think that's a good fight to put on that card. It could hold the card down if you needed to or be one hell of a co-main. No,
3: nah, I think that'll be the main event. Masvidal versus Usman for the welterweight title and the BMF titles may be on the line as well. That's the main event.
2: That, I, I, mean, uh, I don't know. Come like, on.
3: Masvidal versus Nate Diaz was like the biggest fight last year. So why yeah. wouldn't Masvidal versus Usman I mean, it's just event? a
2: bunch of people getting the Conor McGregor rub. It, of course um, it is.
3: But at the same time, like I think Masvidal's become a star.
2: I mean, but if Connor and Nate decide to tango, well, yeah, then that's I mean, that's the main event. Look,
3: to be clear, if Connor is on any card, the main event. <laughs> like, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. But I, I don't think if you the UFC, you burn both fighters on an international fight week. Like, you take Masvidal and Usman. Well,
2: you, it's Vegas, so Connor's yeah. gonna fight in Vegas.
3: Well, but what I'm saying is, I don't think you necessarily have to put them both on the same card because you could put Connor on another card, and make double the money. Like you put them on the same card, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket, and then everybody pays the same price. For one pay per view, when you could put Usman and Masvidal here, do moderately better than a lot of the other pay per views, and then put Connor on another one with a trash on the card and get a booming pay per view. Why put them on the same card? I feel like you're just burning the, at the, both ends. There. It doesn't make any sense.
2: Not not to go too in depth on the structuring of ESPN pay per views. Now um, it no longer matters as much. To be honest, oh, um, you say it's so. stuff is quarterly and a lot of it is based off of overall subscriptions driven to e plus more than pay-per-views I mean, in terms of uh, is, you know profit okay so um i'm not gonna pick you apart because that's not because we're, we're yeah not- <laughs> but i'm just i'm just saying like to not give too much away so if if you get a massive boom in july which is what the third quarter beginning of the third quarter uh, of the fiscal year if you do that in a massive boom they count as if you split July and August separately, you know, like E, e plus subscribers hold a lot of weight. Let me just say that. So um, yeah, you theoretically the UFC can stack cards or have shitty cards. Um, and that's why I think as we move forward, you will see these stacked cards or, or a big name once every three months. And then you're wondering like, yo, why is this card like, like who the hell's, buying this pay-per-view like it doesn't hurt as much anymore so you can see john jones do no like if john jones did horrible numbers this weekend it doesn't matter they have the connor's no, connor numbers in this quarter already you're playing with house money mm. for the next two pay-per-views Ooh. like you're you're good so okay. um with that being said the inner workings of espn a little um yeah so i i think we can see those things where you see like yo we're just gonna blow the doors off our pay-per-view and if you know Steve a and d c want to fight in August, then that's a plus if you know Habib comes back in September and wants to fight and does good numbers, you know that's a plus and it won't be September, no, it'd be like october Ramadan and, and, and yeah, yeah, so you you look at that and you start honestly, you start strategically placing Connor around you can do whatever the hell you want if he fights once in every quarter you're you're good, you can make whatever other fights you want hmm. and then don't even matter about paying people, you know, or selling stuff. So um, it's a better model for the UFC that is lacking stars. It's no longer that, like, month-to-month, you got to crush it type of model. So we'll, we'll see where Masvidal, Usman end up. Usually they stack those cards anyway, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe we get an interim heavyweight title. Because yes. um, I don't know how long Stipe can just not fight. And then demanding to fight someone you haven't fought before is so weird to me.
3: Yeah, I don't. Whatever.
2: So it's it's just weird demands. Um, let's talk about John Jones though. UFC 247 is this weekend. It is a full card. I wouldn't say it's a stat card <laughs> um, but any means, but intriguing matchup. Many people think for John Jones at the top. Um, let me see if there's anything on the prelims to talk about. No. Uh, no. Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Vera is actually a, a fight I'm interested in because I don't know where Jimmy Rivera is right now. Yeah. As in terms of being a fighter. Like he was just, you know, at the top of that division and now it's like what's what is he? He can have three losses in a matter of a year. Nah, Rivera's out of the fight. That fight's not happening. Oh, it got cancelled? Yeah. Oh, it does say cancelled. Well, I'll be. I should pay attention to these notes. Um, and then let's see, opening the pay-per-view card, Derek Lewis versus Alyir Latifi. I like this fight. I think Latifah's going to get his face blown off, but... Anyway. So do I. That's that's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, yeah, I don't I don't need it to be competitive to be fun. No, you're right. Derrick they're Loose is they're at home, he's going to take somebody's face off. And then say some wild shit. True indeed. You know what I'm here for. <laughs> and then, uh, um, Bektik is on the main card now, whatever. Juan Adams. Yo, Juan Adams being placed on a main pay-per-view card, like, in the middle of the pay-per-view it's so wild to me i feel like he just debuted he did and he's lost back-to-back fights so i don't get this so it's, it's
3: justin toffa really is the guy you're gonna have to look at but dude this
2: fight sucks anyway yeah <laughs> we can so on. you have Tafa winning that fight yeah i do um and i mean to be fair i also have uh beck dick winning his fight
3: yeah okay
2: fair. so two showcase fights uh Shevchenko in the co-main versus Caitlin. She- Shevchenko's gonna knock her out. What? First round? I'll Maybe. give her a second. I feel like being kind. Look, the second round knockout.
3: Chukagian is the number one contender in that division. And the gap between Shevchenko and everybody else in that division is wide. It's not even fair. It's like. I mean, John Jones is probably the most dominant champion period right? as long as he's not you know running over pregnant women he's th- nobody can beat him we look at like heavyweight we, like we'll talk about it in a second nobody can beat him Shevchenko the gap in talent is so ridiculously wide it's not even fair so now yeah. we're looking at this Chukagian fighting and, and she's like oh she's a number one contender and I'm, gonna, I'm about to preface this with something I tweeted earlier today is once I hear a fighter say never fought anybody like me before You're going to fucking lose. Because guess what? (laughs) There's nothing you can do that... Like, listen. Shevchenko has fought Amanda Nunez. Shevchenko has fought Holly Holm. Shevchenko has fought Joanna and Jacek. What the hell are you going to bring? Like, listen. You have two arms and two legs and a head. That's all Shevchenko needs to knock you out. As long as you show up with those things, you're good. You're like everybody else. I can't stand when fighters continue to say this. Like, you look... At, we'll talk about let's fuck it. First of all, is gonna decimate her, I say maybe two rounds, but it's gonna get really ugly. So there's that. John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. I'll let you give me a prediction in a second, but Dominic Reyes said the same goddamn thing on the countdown show. And I was like, have you looked at who John Jones has fought? <laughs> like, how do you say you never saw anybody like me? Somebody who's like you might be out, uh Anthony Smith. Somebody like you is, you know, or better than you, there's Shot Evans, Rampage Jackson, Shogun Hua, Alexander Gustafson, twice, Daniel Cormier, who's arguably one of the best, ever. Who are you, like, I'm not saying Reyes can't win this fight, but I'm saying the moment you say that is your only way to beat somebody, you never fought somebody like me before, you don't get your ass kicked. Because for some reason, you've come in here thinking that you have an attribute that John Jones has never seen. What the best thing that you can do is play your game, which is striking and hoping you catch John because John isn't the greatest striker. That's it. There's nothing different here. And you talk about the, he's, he said, never fought an athlete before. Oh, Vincent Prue is an athlete. John Jones won that fight. Everything that Dominic Reyes is bringing to the table is something that John has seen before. You just need to put together the perfect plan to win. But just stop thinking you're, like, unique.
2: He's seen this shit before. Believe me. The fight that concerns me most in Reyes' resume is the split decision win versus mm-hmm. wasn't a pretty fight. Vulcan was People thought Vulcan could have arguably won that. It wasn't a pretty fight. And John Jones just straight different class of athlete and fighter than Volkan Ozdemir different class completely DC wrecked him John Jones beat DC obviously Anthony Smith beat him as far as Ozdemir and I know people hate MMA math but if you look at it it's you can't struggle with a guy like that and then say what you say about beating John Jones It's it's a different realm of fighter. And to me, Reyes is good. He's He's not great. He's not Gustafson. He's damn sure not DC. So I don't know what he's going to bring to the table that's different. Unless he says, I'm catching John at a better time than they caught John. And John is slipping. Oh, man. So, which I don't see that happening. John is just hitting his MMA prime, in my opinion.
3: Which is scary. So here's, here's the frightening thing about this. Dominic Reyes at the press conference, at the uh, inaugural press conference for, for that fight being made, was pissing John off with all the things he was saying. I think the worst thing you want to do with John Jones is upset him. He's a different kind of beast. Like, John Jones, you got to remember, he won the world title nine years ago. Nine. Nine so, he's seen every intense stare down. He's been in heated rivalries with Rashad Evans and Daniel Cormier. Like, he's at the point now where it's just like, like he's, I guess he's got to motivate himself, and that's the thing you got to worry about the most. Uh, is John motivated? Like, the Tiago Santos' fight. He's like, uh, is he motivated for this fight? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's just another guy. He should win. But then when he, Dominic Reyes kept talking and talking, and then John in the countdown shows go, I don't like guys like him because he thinks he's got it all he thinks he's this athlete he thinks he's something special i'm about to show him that he's not i was like oh he's fucked. like as soon as he said that it's a wrap (laughs) it's a wrap because an angry john jones or john jones who's out to teach you a lesson because guy certain guy like floyd did that with arturo guy i'll never forget that arturo was talking about you're too small blah 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 you never see anything like me and floyd was like i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and that was, like, really all Floyd said. And then he went out there and beat the shit out of Arturo Gatti. Just to prove the point. Yes, and I think, like, John coming off of his last performance, and now he's in a race against himself for the greatest MMA fighter ever, which all he has to make sure he does is stay out of trouble and doesn't lose. Doesn't sound like the easiest thing in the world, but it's very possible because John has cleaned out light heavyweight, and he may be eyeballing that move to heavyweight finally. So you look at a guy like Reyes, and you were like, wow, he just keeps talking shit. Like, I've played video games before with people that I that kind of suck or they may not be good and they don't say anything, and I end up keeping like a Madden game, a close game, or an NBA 2K game is a close game. Then it's the guy that comes over talking all that shit, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make an example out of you, and I blow him the fuck out. That's what John is about to do to Dominic Reyes. I don't think there's anything Dominic Reyes can do at a certain point when John's like, John will go like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to take you down and just elbow the shit out of you. That's what I think is going to happen. I think John's going to murder Reyes. I don't think it's gonna be pretty at all there's gonna be a moment where they're gonna stand and then john's gonna throw all that shit out the windows like i know i can get him on the ground and murder him and that's what he's gonna do
2: no yeah i i agree john probably finishes this in the second round if that it might go one i think as soon as reyes is on his back
3: john's gonna teach him a lesson
2: Oh, it's over. John by sub would be nice. It's been a while.
3: Yeah, I just, like, again, the Tiago Santos fight, like, John was kind of playing with his food. Like, that was one of those fights where he was like, why is he still standing there striking? Because John likes to beat you at his own game, at your own game. Like, whatever you do, John's like, all right, cool. DC, dirty boxing, blah, blah, blah. All right, you can wrestle. I'm going to take you down. Like, John does that. Like, all the bad things we said about John's character goes out the window when you talk about how good he is in that goddamn octagon. And I think he sees Reyes as food, and it's just like, all right like i'm defending my title that's cool but if i beat the hell out of you right now i'm thinking about that the heavyweight title so I, I don't think he's wasting any time with reyes if he sees an opening he's gonna take it and he's gonna murder that kid
2: yeah yeah i agree i it's great it's great to hype up a new name for john right you need to create some tension that's the job of the ufc is to create this doubt but i don't have it mm-hmm. i've seen enough for john jones to know that he's gonna make this uh, another win on his belt. And we see what he does next. He's mentioned Stipe's name.
3: Yeah.
2: And if Stipe wants to stand by that, oh, I want to fight someone different. There you go. This is the guy you fight.
3: And that's the guy you don't want to fight.
2: No. <laughs> Congrats for talking to yourself. He, he worked himself into a shoot. Yeah is what he did. It is all bad.
3: And then two things will but happen. It, is before it closes, like two things will happen. Stipe will lose to John Jones, and then DC will be like, hey, I'm going to retire now. Because it's like there's no need to even go after John. Like, I know you want it, but don't. If John murders Stipe Miocic at heavyweight and becomes a champion, it's over.
2: That man's. Well, like, then DC might feel froggy and say he has a better chance at heavyweight. He could. Which he thinks.
3: But. No, I, I just if, <laughs> if again, if John fights Stipe and John fights, I say he'll probably weigh in at 220 against Stepe and goes in there and just kind of mows him down. That's it. That, like there was so many things telling in the aerial interview that weren't being said. They were all in John's facial expression. The Adesanya stuff. Like I was like, oh, yeah, he really doesn't give a fuck about Adesanya. Like he, he kept calling him kid. Right. But he wasn't calling yep. him kid because of the same age. He's calling him kid because he was like, you just got here. I've been doing this for nine years, beating ass along the way. Like, there are levels to this, and John's a completely different level of MMA fight. And I think Adesanya's is amazing. But Adesanya...
2: I think Izzy, hey, that attitude bothered me more than it impressed me with John. Really? Yeah, that's that's usually the tone people take when they create their worst enemy. Eh. Like that that degrading, talking down. Like, I I think. It doesn't show fear but it shows caution like he's purposely downplaying him and i think that's wrong i think he sees someone that could beat him
3: i no, i don't think that this is what i think i think john has been there done that done cocaine one fights done everything you could possibly do run over like pregnant women like crash bentley's with strippers i think he's done everything possible where he's legitimately seen it all and he looks at adesanya like you're not a threat right now so stop talking to me like i think if Adesanya goes in there and mows down Joel Romero, then John will be like, "Okay, he may give him credit." But right now, John's just like, "You just got here, dude. Like for real. Like why are we doing this?" And it, it, there's again, there's levels to this shit. But I, I think John hasn't seen enough of Adesanya for him to say, "All right, he's a credible threat," because Adesanya did really just get here. So he's got to prove yeah. it. It's kind of like it's kind of like. You have to prove me wrong because that's the same attitude that like Cowboy had with with Connor. It's like, dude, you're gonna get murdered at lightweight, and then Connor was like, oh, I'm gonna fucking show you. And then he went and beat the shit out of everybody. It was like, and then he destroyed Cowboy. But at that time, before the Aldo fight, nobody like people were still like, dude, you got to beat him first. We talk about everybody else. So I think John yeah. is dismissive in that. But if he sees Adesanya beat Romero, who had lost two in a row, which really doesn't matter. But if Adesanya then beats uh, Boruchina. Paul Costa. Then I think John would be like, all right, maybe. But then again, John will be at heavyweight, and they're like worlds apart in weight. John is huge compared to Adesanya, so I don't oh, even see I, that fight happening.
2: I highly doubt John defends that belt even once. Which belt? Heavyweight. Eh, I think he would. <laughs> he's dropping it so fast. He's I, out. I don't. He's man, back at two fight. dropping it. If you he's not back... fighting, he is not fighting Ingunu. He's mm. not fighting. Blades, he's not fighting anyone who is two hundred and sixty-five pounds. I think he Blades. He's fighting a guy at two thirty. I think he'd beat Blades, but you're he's fighting a guy at two thirty, and there's no reason for Blades to skip over Angano. Let me make that perfectly clear. And Stipe is the perfect opponent with the title at the perfect time. He's not fighting any true heavyweight because they will come in at two hundred sixty-five, two hundred seventy pounds, at on fight night two eighty. And John will be 220. I think, I, and, he's, and he's not going to do it.
3: Though I think John will fight anybody except for maybe Engano. I think Ngannou's the only guy at the heavyweight division that John would be like, man, maybe I won't fight that guy. I think Blades, yeah. If, he, if you beat Miochas, and you're like, yeah, I'll fight him. Like, what, what else is there? Dos Santos? Come on. Like, who, who can't John beat in the heavyweight division that you look at if he beats Stepe. If he, if he didn't beat Stipe, obviously, it's a different conversation. But if you beat Stipe, why wouldn't you think you can beat anybody in that division? That's a champ. And it's not like it's not like the champ. Stipe's not like the champ who like just kind of came up. It's not like Roy Jones fighting John Ruiz at heavyweight. And they like, John's trash. Stipe at one time was considered the greatest heavyweight of all time because he had the most title defenses in a row. You beat Stipe, who beat Nganu. Yeah, you could beat just about anybody. And Gano's the only guy that, if, if I'm John,
2: I'd look at him like, maybe not him.
3: Everybody else Not okay. sure
2: if he wants to take a Derrick Lewis punch either. Even though I don't think Derrick Lewis can catch him, dude. like, physically. Like, I think he runs circles around Derrick Lewis. But there's a lot of those guys where you're like, yo, you take one punch. What did Cormier do to Derrick Lewis? And it's over. Oh, Cormier, yeah. That's what I'm, I'm, right? I'm saying. There's no way that John's ego is going to look at these guys and be like,
3: nah, I'm not going to fight him. And Gano's legitimately the only guy. He'd have, have
2: to can... transform his whole body and never go back to 205. You think he Cause would? Because that's what it would take. There's, nothing, there's no challenges
3: at 205.
2: Look at 205. It's a wasteland. He has laid waste yeah, to everybody there. And this isn't boxing. Like, Anderson Silva, people said that about Silva. And he went up to 205. Right, like Silver went up to two hundred five like once, dabbled, yes, he, he, came back down a few times. But he never left until challengers presented themselves. But people said Silver cleared out the division and he stayed. I think John would stay, but he goes yeah. up, you know, one little challenge, right back down. But guess what? Because there's a difference. You can be king and be the greatest of all time. There's a
3: there's a difference between Anderson Silver and John Jones. John Jones again has been he's one, never lost a fight. Two been the champion for he's been the class of, of mma for nine years nine and Silva. So you think about it that reign wasn't that long it, like john's reign, like this is ridiculous when you really think about uncharted territory this is it there's there's nobody name another fighter that's gone undefeated this long with the exception of the dq and the no contest john has never been beat name another yeah M- that
2: shit's not even a loss in my book yeah, so no one i mean mma is not built
3: for that he's a freaking nature there's no other like you know anderson silver lost to a flying heel hook to rio chonen in pride like he's lost even though he was the class he lost john has never lost and for this length of time it's unheard of in mma absolutely unheard of so yeah i think he i think he looks at a guy like derrick lewis like first of all you're not getting title shot your ass he's got to be Latif. you got a long way to go Everybody else is food for John. If he can beat Steep and he comfortably does it, he I think he fight he defends the heavyweight title. There's nothing for him at 205 at all.
2: Yeah, not much for him at heavyweight besides an Nganu knuckle sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> like because we not that deep. No, it's not. So it's not. It's just, I mean, it's just it's
3: adding to your legacy. That's it.
2: Yeah, it's a dangerous place to to mess around. But then again, DC did it.
3: Yeah,
2: they didn't miss a beat. Nope. So yeah, it, it's very possible. We'll see how jones performs this weekend and we can fantasy book him a little bit more next week on the show um thank you guys for listening to this show a little bit extended because we only have wednesday and friday this week due to our busy schedules last weekend next week we'll be back to normal boxing on mondays mma on wednesday pro wrestling on friday so thank you guys for kind of moving and adjusting with us during this busy week but back to normal after this and look out for more Announcements from our upcoming Wrestling With Stereotype show that's going to be part of WrestleMania week down in Tampa. Uh, shout out to GCW and everyone for that opportunity. We're going to be having a blast. If you guys don't have tickets already, please check that out. Links are on both of our pages. And announcements of all of our guests are going to be made very soon. So thank you guys. Also, follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hill. Until Friday, we're out. Peace.